Hello and welcome to Retail Politics, where one download at a time, we will give you the information you need to make the best decisions on how you want your government to operate. Today, we will revisit the Bush-Gore election of 2000 and the historic recount and the politics of the place where that recount occurred, Florida, which will be critical once again in deciding who will win the November 3rd presidential election. I am thrilled to have on the show with us today, Mr. Mike Griffin, the former and longtime chief political correspondent for the Orlando Sentinel, who covered that Bush-Gore race 20 years ago this year. Wow, 20 years, Mike. Uh, I don't know how that happened since you're only 36. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Jerry. I think you were 12 at the time. but I- <laughs> Well, I know it puts some years on your life. <laughs> I still have a Bruce Springsteen concert shirt from that year, though. I oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let's get to it. Uh, that race was decided by 537 votes in South Florida out of 6 million casts in the state, and as you remember, eventually decided by a 5-4 Supreme Court vote with the conservatives voting to stop the recount and handing Bush the 25 electoral votes and the presidency um, in a fiasco that lasted a little more than a month. Tell us about that time. Wow, I tell you, Jerry, it was, it was, um, it was unprecedented, obviously, for the time. I mean, this was still pre I guess it wasn't pre-internet, but it was still pre-social media. The social media wasn't the impact that it that it is now. Um, we learned early on in the cycle that Florida was going to be critical. Um, if you look at history, Florida is critical to the Republicans winning the White House, and I'm, I think it Democrats can win without winning Florida. But Republicans really can't. I think the last Republican that won the White House without winning Florida was Calvin Coolidge. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. And, and so back in the day, I remember George Bush was governor of Texas. And this was, again, pre-social media. So their strategy was to get out of the beltway. They, they didn't trust the Washington elite media. And their, their plan was to go to the locals. So the, the governor who had, had not yet announced, but everybody knew he was going to run, would invite local political writers from around the country in. And he invited me and uh, the, the late, great Mark Silva, who at the time was the political editor for the Miami Herald. So we went to Austin. We met with the governor and, um, and his wife and, and, the, and the first lady of Texas. And he said, now, I want you to go down stairs. My, my boy here is going to take you downstairs and he's going to, well, I'm going to introduce you to my guru. He's going to tell me how we're going to win this thing. And so Mark and I went downstairs and we met with a kind of a portly guy with a heavy beard named Carl Rove. Oh my. And he walked us through their, their strategy and their strategy was Florida. The, his, his, um, his brother was the governor of Florida at this point. Um, they had it all mapped out. And the key was going to be the Hispanic vote because they were just absolutely convinced. And and at the time, a lot of people had the same misperception that Hispanics in Florida were conservative Cubans in Miami Mm -hmm. and didn't really realize that Florida is much more diverse than that. Mm -hmm. The Hispanic community is much more diverse than that. In fact, 
at the time, the Cubans in Tampa were mostly Democrats. Hmm. Uh, but there was a small, uh, a, a large uh, plurality of Hispanics that were starting to grow larger and larger. Mm-hmm. And it were Puerto Ricans, Puerto mm-hmm. Ricans in Central Florida, many of them from the island, but almost as many from New York who had, mm-hmm. who had moved to, to Orlando. And so he laid that out and Mark and I looked at him and started laughing and said, you, you can't just count on the Cubans in South Florida to win an election. It's mm-hmm. much more diverse. And boy, were we, uh, you know, we it was like we had the gift of, of prognostication on that because around August of 2000, it was crystal clear that both Gore and Bush had targeted Florida to win. And mm-hmm. it, Jerry, it was like covering a county commission race. These guys <laughs> in Florida, every I I'd spent my whole career wanting to travel the world, you know, and travel the country on presidential campaigns. And I did that in '92, and I did that in '96. In 2000, I think I left Florida twice. They, <laughs> they were there so much. So clearly, it was important going up to election day. You know, I think again, this is going to be a, a key state. Uh, this time around too. And um, again, the Hispanic vote is, is going to be important. Um, Hispanics now in Florida make up one out of five uh, Floridians and it's grown by almost 10% since uh, 2000. I think back in the Bush Gore days, about seven and 10 Cubans were registered Republicans and it's now about half and half. How big will the Hispanic vote be in deciding Florida and, and the Cuban vote particularly? I think it's always going to be big when you're looking at statewide elections. The interesting thing, there are two interesting things. First, as you said, the Cubans are not quite as Republican as they used to be. Uh, and and um, Puerto Ricans, while they are still very uh, pro-Democrat, they still vote Democratic in large numbers, many of them since the uh, since the huge influx we had after the hurricanes a couple of years ago, many of them have gone back. So it, it's kind of interesting to see how that vote's going to shape out. The one thing I will tell you, though, is that uh, the disaster of, tw- of 2000, and you guys remember, you know, the guy, the pictures of people staring at punch card ballots and the hanging chads hanging chad and i'll tell you there there could have been a hanging mic because i was ready to put it into my life at the like day 15 after the election but um but i will tell you that florida is because of 2000 and because of the hiccups that we've had a couple of times since i would tell you that florida has probably the safest most secure election system in the country uh florida has a rich and deep history of mail-in voting. Republicans originated it and Democrats have perfected it in Florida. And so I, I would say that, you know, Florida, despite its reputation of, as, as you know, being a, I think Scott Maxwell, the columnist here at the Orlando Sentinel said that you got a state where people try to ride manatees are going to decide the presidential election. <laughs> You know, it, it, Florida, the election system is probably one of the strongest and safest in the country. Well, the the interesting thing is that, you know, with the coronavirus, we're going to have a lot more mail-in ballots. Some states don't allow those ballots to be counted until Election Day. Uh, the survey I saw today said 66% of Republicans will vote in person, while half the Democrats will mail-in ballots. Do you see another long recount taking place and delaying the winner of the race as it happened uh, 20 years ago? Maybe not in Florida, but maybe nationally. 
Well, yeah, I think definitely we – well, well, I'll put it to you this way, Jerry. If Florida is decisive on election night, then it really doesn't matter what happens anywhere else. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's the fact. This annoys people when I say this, but the reason why Florida was such a train wreck in 2000 is because it mattered. I mean, it didn't yeah. matter. It didn't yeah. matter if New Mexico was mm-hmm. you know, going over. No, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So Florida, in, in close elections, in any state, okay, in any state, if, it's, if the election's within 1%, you're going to have irregularities. You're going mm-hmm. to hap- – that happens in every election. People – you know, fill out the wrong line. They mm-hmm. overvote. They they leave things blank. It, that's what happens, and 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 normally that doesn't matter. In an election that's decided by five six percent, that doesn't matter. If an election is decided, you know, twelve million votes and it's decided by a hundred votes, that's when it gets crazy, and that might happen. But I will tell you this: one advantage that we have in Florida is in some states, mail-in ballots have to be postmarked by election day. Mm-hmm. So that means they'll be receiving ba- – they could be receiving ballots two, three days after the election that still have to be counted. In Florida, the, the, the ballots have to be received in the election supervisor's office by close of business on election day. And and so, do they hold up counting them? Like some states in Pennsylvania, they nope. don't count them until, until election day. They can, they well, you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure about that. But even if that's the case, um, you know, th- at least at least they won't be waiting two or three days for ballots to still be coming in. They'll be able to count them like they do any election. If if you have a a larger number of mail-in ballots, yeah, they're going to be opening and counting ballots. But that means there's going to be smaller numbers of votes coming in and other methods. So, and I I tell you, I think early voting is going to be really critical. If you see what's happening in Georgia, um, I mean, you're seeing the first day of early voting, people were waiting in line three and four hours to vote because frankly, they don't trust the mail-in system. And there's also been a lot of jostling already among both Democrats and Republicans on this mail-in situation. And in the debate, Donald Trump said he intends to challenge this election. Um, and I, I, he seemed to indicate he's not necessarily going to be supportive of a peaceful transition. But in Michigan, uh, the election officials told them that Republicans could not set up their own collection ballots. In Pennsylvania, they said uh, that they must allow for drop-offs boxes where the Republicans were challenging that. And then in Florida, we had the decision that uh, registration date could not be put back. So do you think this is an indication of just the kind of shenanigans we're going to see after the election? You know, again, Jerry, I I have to say it depends on the closeness of the election. I mean, the president's going to do what the president does. But if it's a decisive election, and I got to tell you, you know, people laugh about the polling uh, and and they look at the how wrong the polls were in 2016. But, mm-hmm. you know, gosh, Jerry, you know, if you go back and look at those polls in 2016, yes, they, they predicted that they, quote, predicted, end quote, the wrong winner. But remember, polls have a margin of error. And the national polls, which really aren't worth much more than indicating a candidate's strength. Um, they were right. Um, they had, they were, they were, they predicted the winner. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, um, 
at the races that really the, the states that really decided the race, um, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, they were within the margin of error. They had Clinton ahead, mm-hmm. but they were within the margin of error. Mm-hmm. And they've, mm-hmm. they've also made a lot of changes and improvements in the polling system since then. Right. So the polls this time, we would, as they were in 2018, the, the polls in 2018 were extremely accurate. So in Florida, uh, Biden is up anywhere from two to five percent, uh, depending on what polls um, you, you look at. What's are you feeling in the state? What are you feeling as you're out there um, in the state? I will tell you, if you look at the last major election we had, it was the governor's race and the U.S. Senate race. Uh, two years ago in 2018, the governor uh, won, the Republican won by 34,000 votes. Mm. Um, the, the U.S. Senate race, I think, was decided by 10,000 votes. Mm. So that's how Florida, Florida's a purple state and it can, mm-hmm. it, either side can go. And and, and I, I will tell you the, the things that I've seen this year in the primaries, there were a couple of things that I tracked in the primaries. One was voter anger. So when they did exit polling in the primaries, the voting electorate is angry, and mm-hmm. that means they are passionate and they're going to turn out. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one issue. The second issue was um, I am voting for – the question was on the Democrat side, am I voting for the, the candidate I most agree with? Or I'm voting for the candidate that I think can beat the president. And I think the the, the couple of the primaries I saw in places like Michigan, uh, North Carolina, critical states, 60% were saying they were voting for the candidate that they thought could beat the president, even if they didn't agree with that person. That's who they were voting for. So those are going to be tough trends. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, the, the, uh, the, the website 538, they do an interesting thing. They take all the polls that they can that they can get a hold of all the polls and they compress them and they run a simulation of the election 40,000 times they do this every single day they have a computer hmm. algorithm that runs the election 40,000 times hmm. and at this point of the uh, in 2016 they gave the president i think a 30% chance of winning of beating Hillary Clinton wow and again that doesn't mean they're predicting Hillary Clinton's going to win. Mm-hmm. They're saying that if you have the election a hundred times, Trump would win thirty and Clinton would win seventy. Well, the numbers they're seeing this time is it's it's uh, the president has a thirteen percent chance. Wow! And if you think about it, Jerry, just think about it that if you look at Biden's chances, what he has to do is win all the states that Clinton won. And I don't think anybody really doubts that he can do that. Mm-hmm. And he needs to add a Pennsylvania or a Wisconsin or a Michigan and mm-hmm. he'll win. Mm-hmm. That's how close the election was. So I think the president's got a got a hard row to hoe ahead of him. And I think Florida could de- deliver the decisive blow if Biden were to win Florida. If we know on election night clearly that Biden has won Florida and I'm not predicting he will. I'm just saying if that's the case, I, I think I don't I don't know that there would be much reason to have a a uh, a, a legal challenge. So it's interesting because um, 
one of the things we're looking at right now is uh, the Supreme Court nomination. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is uh, before the Senate committee. Um, she, interestingly, played a role in the Bush-Gore election. She was one of uh, Bush's battalion of lawyers uh, during the recount. Uh, she will likely be confirmed, um, and, and it'll be a 6-3 court, 6 uh, conservatives to 3 um, you know, liberals on the court. And um, do you see this thing going to the Supreme Court again to decide an election? I, I Well, of course, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know that they would have the gr- legal grounds to do that. First, they'd have to challenge it in the state. And you have to remember, in Florida, they started the recount. The Republicans uh, filed a lawsuit. It went to the. It was either Republicans or the Democrats who filed the lawsuit. The recount was underway. You have to do a recount when it's under uh, a half a percent. Mm-hmm. So there's automatically a manual recount. They were going through it, and then that there was a lawsuit filed because of the some of the ways the recount was being conducted. The Florida Supreme Court ruled that the that the recount could go forward, and then it went to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, and they overruled the Florida court. So mm-hmm. the, the, the question is, if, Flor- if, if Florida's not decided by a half a percent, let's say, or Wisconsin's not, and let's say Wisconsin is within a half a percent, if, if, there, if those electoral votes are not enough to swing the election, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's really kind of have to you have to factor these things in because you can't just go to the Supreme Court and say, "Hey, you know, <laughs> I got beat and I don't like it, so I'm going to file a lawsuit." I mean, they're going to mm-hmm. say, "Okay, so let's say we grant you the relief you're asking for." It doesn't change the results of the election, so why why would we even waste our time? That that that's how the the mathematics. Math is a, you know, I'm a journalism major like you are, Jerry. You know, math is very difficult for us, but once you actually get the math down, it's kind of hard to argue with, with numbers, you know? Yeah, sure. And that's science, right? That's science in a sense. Right. And and uh, one of the things that Trump has been doing in at least two states is is using that Bush-Gore ruling to say, hey, we can't do this. This recount's got to be this way or that way. Um, so uh, the courts have said, look, that was a that was a very individual present issue has nothing to do with anything you know other than that one election but uh, there has been and you've seen him say that you know he is obviously not going to go quiet into the night if he loses and there was actually a book actually written about it by uh, Amherst College professor uh, Lawrence Douglas who's who wrote a book will he go Trump in the looming election meltdown in 2020 and um he was saying in there that the Constitution does not promise a peaceful tra- transition, but presupposes it. But you have faith, and we talked before that the uh, the laws that we have in place will prevail over any uh, attempt to usurp them. I mean, I I do, Jerry. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're Americans. Yeah, <laughs> we're. It, it, this is still America. We have we are we are a nation of laws, mm-hmm. and and I and I will tell you that. But you see, you have to understand how how a close election can get run in the, run off the tracks. So mm-hmm. in Florida now, there there are no more punch cards. 
there are no there are no electronic voting systems. The way it works in Florida is you take a pen, and now you don't even need a special pen. You take a pen and you fill in a, a bubble, and it gets counted. And if there has to be a manual recount, you can pull out the ballots and you can look and see who somebody voted for. You don't have to. You don't hit a a, a cash register receipt or or have to look at a punch card. And so that so that's how those are the reforms that Florida made. But even with that, the 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 issue that the president is is trying to press really isn't accurate because every state does it differently, and even within counties, and and on a manual recount, every county might interpret a ballot differently. So here's an example: an overvote. If you vote for more than two people in one race, right? So if somebody accidentally votes for Joe Biden and votes for the Green Party candidate or the Reform Party candidate or whoever else is on the ballot, that ballot is going to be kicked out and it will not be counted, okay? But mm-hmm. here's what happened in 2000. In, there, were no, there was no single, single electronic voting or uh, voting system. Some states were doing electronic voting. Some actually had the punch cards. Others had the ballots I was describing. In some states, in some counties, there was, there was a voting system where you had to have a specific pen for it mm. to work. And so yes. people in Winter Park in long lines, they, they didn't want to wait. They had their ballot. They pulled out the pen out of their pocket, filled it out, went, turned it in and left, and the votes didn't count because it wasn't the right pen. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's been fixed. But here's the deal. So if in, in 2000, you had a lot of voters who were not used to voting, maybe voting for the first time, even 50, 60-year-old people voting for the first time. So you look at the ballot and it says, vote for your – choose your candidate. So you write in you, – you circle the bu- bubble by George W. Bush or Al Gore. And then at the bottom, it says, write in name. So the purpose of that is to write in the name of a candidate. If you didn't want to vote for Gore, if you didn't want to vote for Bush, you could write in Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, whatever. (laughs) And it's happened. (laughs) A lot of these voters, they they voted for Gore or Bush. And then down there, they read, oh, well, I guess I'm supposed to write the name in here. So they would write the name Gore or Bush down in the bottom. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. let's say you had a ballot that circled for gore and wrote gore in the in the uh in the write-in area well that was deemed an overvote Mm -hmm. right well some counties i would argue republican counties did not count those ballots Mm -hmm. because that was an overvote Mm -hmm. now other counties would look at that and say okay they voted for gore they wrote in gore clearly they wanted to vote for gore the voters' intent was to vote for Gore, but some counties took a very strict view, which we are not here to figure out what somebody was thinking when they tried to fill out a ballot. We're just going to count ballots. And these others were, tr- were saying, well, you know what? We can interpret from this that somebody, this person wanted to vote for that candidate. And so that could have cost Gore 500 votes easily. You you had people, you had thousands of people who literally wrote in Mickey Mouse or, or because they would, they hated, they're just, they hated both candidates. Both people helped decide the election. There's so many factors in a close election. So, you know, the, the key is if you're going to vote by mail, do it today. You can track your ballot. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're going to vote early, vote early. Uh, but but man, take this seriously. This is extremely serious. Well, it's interesting what you're talking about because 20 years ago, that's a generation. 20 years is a generation. So what you're saying is the technology has advanced to ensure that things like that happened in 2000, particularly in Florida, is way more unlikely to happen this time around. I would say it's it's the the actual voting process is safer and cleaner. But but if it gets into a close election, like we're talking a thousand votes, mm-hmm. right, out of millions cast, you know, it, it, they they had to do a recount with the governor's race. It was the difference of thirty four thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Now now the recount's easy. You take the ballots, you run them through the machines again. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. back then you had to have canvassing boards with. With uh, magnifying glasses, <laughs> you know? everybody remembers that picture of the guy with the magnifying glass yeah. looking at that little Chad hanging off there. <laughs> that was the picture of the election. We were talking about the Supreme Court. Um, they are looking at the Affordable Care Act again. If Amy Coney Barrett goes on, um, it'll be a six-three court. Um, Health care is really critical down here in Florida. How big do you see that being? in how people will vote? Will they be voting on health care? Uh, I will tell you, you know, my current my current job, Jerry, I'm uh, Vice President of Advocacy and Public Policy for Advent Health, and uh, we're a, a nationwide health care system based here in Florida. And I, and I will tell you that health care is the number one issue in most, in most polling I've seen. It is incredibly important. Uh, it's ironic that the Affordable Care Act is not a partisan issue with voters. Voters, when it, when, when in states, including uh, Idaho and, uh, and Utah, when, when it's on the ballot, it passes. Mm. Uh, Republican voters support the Affordable Care Act. Now, they, they oppose Obamacare. Mm-hmm. There was this great marketing campaign against Obamacare. If you poll the, the if you poll Obamacare, most people don't like it. But if you poll Affordable Care Act, which is a the same thing, if most people support it, so, so the the issue really is um, the the leadership at the top and the the Supreme Court. You know, if 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 the president wins, I I don't know how the Affordable Care Act survives. I I, I I'm not a predictor of the Supreme Court. No one really knows how uh, this this new justice will vote. I mean, if she is a strict constructionalist. Or uh, then, then overturning a precedent is something that you know they generally don't do. So we would have to see how she acts. But if Biden wins, then uh, even if the Supreme Court were to throw out, you know, Obamacare, um, they could still, if if they have a republic, if they have a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate, they could come up with an alternative and get it and get it passed. I mean, so. Um, Again, if, on healthcare, that's a critical issue. It's it, it's a defining issue. So you grew up in Florida, where we have gators and golf yep. and hurricanes, and uh, yep. this election is is almost uh, looking like a hurricane. It's moving closer to shore. It's gathering strength. Uh, what do you uh, think? And I'll give you the drum roll, Mike Griffin. What do you predict will happen in the Florida presidential race? 
I have no clue. <laughs> and even and even if I did, I wouldn't say anything. Because in 2000, I'm sorry, in 2016, uh, as you know, because you were in my house, we were there because we were just absolutely sure we were going to see history. We were going to see the first woman elected president of the United States. I, I was, you know, making jokes the week before about, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know who the next president's going to be, but I think she'll, uh, you know, rule one way or the other. So everybody was so confident that it was going to happen. And, and I've just gotten out of the prognostication business. I, I will say this. I, it is very close. I think, I think Democrats are very motivated. And I, and I will tell you, the polling is interesting. The president will be here, I think, three times over the next week and a half or two weeks. Biden will be here at least twice. Mm. So what that tells me is if the president was confident that he had Florida won, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be coming to Florida. He'd be going to battleground, to to other battleground states like Pennsylvania, like Michigan, like Wisconsin, like Ohio. He won Ohio by, I think, 11 points in 2016. Mm -hmm. He's having to campaign in Ohio. If you look at Georgia, he's having to campaign in Georgia. Wow. Now, Georgia... I saw a Quinnipiac poll, a Quinnipiac poll this week that had Biden up by like seven points in Georgia. Hmm. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Most of the yeah. polling I've seen has it 50-50, literally 50-50, which I still find hard to believe because the president won Georgia walking away in 2016. So I think if you, it's it's not just the polling that people look at and shrug their shoulders and say, ah, it's a poll. You can't believe those things. Look at what the candidates are doing. Mm-hmm. Look at where yeah, they he was are. just in Sanford. He was in Sanford this week. And he's going to be in Ocala. Yeah. He's right. in Miami tonight at that town hall. Yeah, so sure. you, you, you look at where he's campaigning. He's campaigning in states that he won fairly easily in 2016. And that's an indication that they are very concerned that they have to they, they're having a difficult time holding on to the base. As I said, what, what President all President Trump has to do is win the same states he won four years ago. All Biden has to do is win the states Clinton won four years ago and pick off one of the battleground states. So that, that's where it is. Texas, I mean, look, the president is going to win Texas. The president, I think at the end of the day, the president will, will win Georgia. Okay, but he may have to. He is already having to campaign in Georgia. He may have to be campaigning in Texas. <laughs> if that's the case, that really shows how close the election is. Yeah, well, uh, we appreciate you being on, buddy. Always good to talk to you, and you amazingly, um, you, you grew up here, so you know the state very well, and we appreciate you sharing all that, uh, all those facts. Jerry, thanks a lot for having me. This was a lot of fun. If you're listening to us today uh, and you like what you hear, please go on Apple and give us a like and send us a comment, and we'll talk to you. And uh, if you get a chance, go to Amazon, and um, I have a new book out called The Front Row. My Jagged Journey, Recording American History from Reagan to Trump. So check that out, and um, I think you'll enjoy that as a, as a good walk through history. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday with another edition of Retail Politics. We want to thank Mike Gugat, 
our executive producer, and of course, our technical director and sound wizard, Brad Maybe. Uh, until we see you again next week, remember, always read beyond the headlines. Have a great week. Bye.